The renegade aviator, David Costa. Oh, oh, up to the wind on. Two soldiers high. We on the airfield and airspace. You are clear for takeoff. Have a good one. Thanks, Mo. Clear for takeoff. Check your bucket brake off. Check your trim set. Check your nose on steering on maneuver. Damn it, half full stage. Left turn out. That's what I'm up. Out brakes now. In the air and on air, the Renegade Aviator combines jet airshow performances and this radio show to promote aviation, excellence, overcoming obstacles, and achieving goals. Here he is, the Renegade Aviator, David Costa. All right, David Costa, Renegade Aviator, and welcome to the brand new show. And uh, we've got a treat planned for you because this show is something different, something that you're not used to hearing on normal talk radio. You know, you can go to any place on the dial and find political talk. As a matter of fact, in my previous life, I even used to do that. But right now, we're going to talk about something that inspires people, something that I'm passionate about. And there's a lot of people passionate about this, and it's aviation. So, you know, aviation is something that that can capture the attention of a little kid or, you know, even the oldest amongst us. You know, we, we look to the sky. If you've ever looked at the sky and been amazed or been bewildered about being able to fly or about aviation, you found the right place. But, but this is not a show to talk shop. We're going to make this something for everybody, right? So whether you're a first-time person that you know, doesn't know anything about an airplane or whether you're somebody like me that's flown for over 15,000 hours of flight time over the last few decades, there's going to be something in this show for everybody. So welcome. Welcome. And the reason I'm doing this show today, there's a very special reason why today we decided to start this show. Uh, we started this show today because today is my is my dad's birthday, my father, um, who we sometimes call Mad Dog One, uh, but Charles Costa, who uh, when you hear him in a little bit here, he sounds awfully like me. I don't know how that happened. So if you get confused during the event, I'll, I'll, uh, I'm, I'm the one that's louder, I guess. Um, but it's his birthday today. And he is responsible for my passion in aviation. He's responsible for cultivating that. I think when I was hatched, um, I uh, probably had a uh, flight control in my hand or something like that. But from the day I was born, from the earliest time I can remember... I've loved aviation, and that's something that, that you know, we talk to our kids, we, we, we talk to people. I work with CEOs. I mean, I, I, I do a lot of consulting work, and the biggest challenge that I have with most people, and see if this, uh, if this doesn't fit you, the biggest challenge I have is, is I look at people square in the eye and I go, what turns you on? What gets you passionate? What is it about you know, life that, that gets you excited. Well, for me, it's aviation. And for a lot of people, it's aviation. But even if you're not an aviation fan yet, my hope is with this radio show is that you'll get something out of it because I'm here to serve you on this show. This is your show as much as it is mine. So without further ado, 
Uh, I'd like to uh, introduce my dad, Charles Costa. Are you there? I'm here. Happy birthday, Dad. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. This is uh, this is a truly an honor launching your uh, new radio show on my birthday. Well, there I can't I can't give out my age because the NRS NRA might be listening in, but you can always check with uh, your daughter Tatiana. Ever since she was a a little girl, she didn't fall for that thirty nine anymore. And then she always used to check with her dad, and she'd always come back with the right answer of my age. So anyway, yeah, I'm glad to be here. Congratulations on your new show and. Uh, and, uh, you know, when I first turned your show on, it sounded just like me talking. I wasn't sure. Yeah, talking, <laughs> anyway. talking. It's a New Jersey accent. So, uh, you know, we're, we're a little bit of what, what I like to say the uh, air show mafia here a little bit is, uh, you know, I guess I guess I can say that today. We're, uh, you know, a bunch of crazy Italian guys. I'm kind of hair on fire most of the time. I've given my parents uh, more than one thrill in their lives, and I say that with little quotation marks in the air. But, um, Dad, I, I just, you know, in, in the – short time before this uh, first break. I mean, first and foremost, I want to thank you because, you know, that's really what this is about is, you know, taking this next generation of kids, you know, you did it with, with me, you allowed, you know, each of your kids have done different things, but your, your passion for aviation certainly came through to me. Um, and, and I appreciate it. And so, you know, here we are standing here today with, you know, a crazy radio show. So, you know, I, you know, you, you got me flying early on. There was many, many times we would just go down to the airport, you know, whether we had money or not, whether we had time or not, but you spent time with me through, you know, civil air patrol for God's sakes, just looking at airplanes. And that's what I think is missing today. I, I, I think we just don't see that anymore where parents are bringing their kids out to look at airplanes, to enjoy aviation, and not just aviation, but in anything kids want. So thank you very, very much. I certainly appreciate it, and I uh, just wanted to start the show with that. Oh, you're, you're welcome. Like I said, uh, you started flying at two, and uh, and it's it's always been a pleasure. I mean, for any of your parents living out there, you, know, you try to find out what your, your what your kids' passions are and, and sort of uh, cultivate them and stay with them. And and of course, my passion was flying. I got my license back in 1960. I was 20 years old, and uh, then when we had our first child, Dave was our first one. And uh, Dad, when did you first start to fly? What what year was that? 1911. Okay, no. started 1959. <laughs> uh, Ten months. I got my I got my license when I was uh, 20 years old at the uh, Clemson Aviation in New Jersey. That's why I have that little twing on my. Still have that little bit of a New Jersey accent, I guess. But uh, that was my passion, and it all started from uh, a neighbor, one of my neighbors. Uh, he was uh, he was 16 years old, and I saw him solo a J3 Cub. He says, come on down to Pittman Airfield and watch me fly this plane. Well, after I saw it, I said, man, if he can do that, I can do that. So I started, and uh, I stuck with it, and I, I you know, I got, uh, I just persevered with it. Money was a little bit tight, but at the end, I just doubled up some of my lessons, and and, uh, and that's how I started, 20 years old. Well, you know, and, and by assessing a 172 Sky Skyhawk. There you go. Yeah, I, I remember those those early pictures and stuff. And and that's kind of what I'm trying to get at with you know people starting out today that that want to get into flying because it's expensive. I mean, make no mistake. Um, you know, 
I have, um, I have benefited and suffered at the same time because of my affliction called aviation. So I am afflicted. I am a, an addict. Um, and what normally happens to people like you and I, anybody who's afflicted with this disease called aviation, we take all of our human possessions, all of our monetary possessions and throw them <laughs> throw them at something yes. that's supposed to fly. So, um, you know, but one thing I, I've mentioned as as we were, you know, people starting out flying, and it's something that, you know, when, when I was growing up, when, when you were working hard, you're raising a family, and, and there isn't a lot of extra money. Um, the biggest thing I remember is simply going down to the airport, even when we weren't flying, and kind of, you know, kind of Talk me through that a little bit. I mean, I, you know, I, I remember these as great days when I was a little kid going out to the, to the local airfield. That's true, and I, I did the same thing. They used to call us airport bums. If you hang around there long enough, and if you're, especially if you're taking lessons, uh, sometimes they always had, like, some part-time jobs around the airport you can do. And that's what I basically did. And every once in a while, the uh, boss would say, hey, you want to jump in uh, my twin and go out to uh, North Philadelphia Airport, pick up some parts? Of course, I had to check my calendar, which took me about, like, five seconds. And I was on the, on the aircraft, and uh, that's how you start. So they would back off on some of the payments on my flight, and, uh, and, uh, and the rest of it I just saved. And, uh, and that's the thing. And if See, you really want to do something, you know, you put your money away and don't, don't spend it on the tattoos and things like that and other things that kids do today. But uh, that was my passion. That's right. So my neighbor fly. So that, once, I, once they got up an airplane, that was it. The bug hit me. But so, but that that's the it, absolute uh, that that's the it. yeah I don't mean to cut you off there sorry but but that's the absolute key right the absolute key what I tell everybody is no matter what you're passionate about and aviation's a big one and even though we're putting up fences around airports today show up be present right show up at the airport ask questions help people out I'll tell you you know now running multiple airplanes out of our hangar here in in the Minden area. Where, where I live, you know, we have multiple airplanes and plenty of opportunities for people to come out and help. And guess how many show up and help? Very, very few. So people would rather complain and say that they can't do something rather than showing up. So in anything in life, showing up is 80% of the game. Um, and the other side of that is um, what, you know, I'm, I'm going to talk about Civil Air Patrol quickly because I know you did a lot more than I did in it. However, there's opportunities out there for people to get started in aviation for very little money. Could you just kind of real quick give, give us an overview of uh, Civil Air Patrol and what you've done in Civil Air Patrol? Yeah, Civil Air Patrol, uh, my last job I had, <clears throat> up, I was on up at Wing Headquarters, and I was the Director of Operations. I used to be a Group Commander, 225, and I got under Wing, and then I became a Director of Operations for uh, around nine years up there. And there's, there's two sides to Civil Air Patrol. There's the cadet program, which is an excellent program for young, uh, young teenagers, uh, male, female. To, if you're thinking about going into the Air Force or whatever, any forms of aviation, going into the academy, this is a great program for young people. I got in. I did a little bit of that with the, uh, with the kid program, but basically I was really interested in the counter-drug and the custom programs that the Civil Air Patrol launched with the counter-drug people and the customs folks. And uh, the Civil Air Patrol does 86% of all search and rescue missions. I don't know if anybody knows that in the United States, which saves the government millions and millions of dollars. Because as you know, you can't take an F-18 up there and do search and rescues looking for downed aircraft. And one of our missions was uh, uh, searching for a downed aircraft, listening for ELT signals, EPIRPs going off on boats, and trying to rescue people. And also we did 
counter drug, looking for marijuana, and also we work with the customs folks. And, well, uh, well, this is so the key that's, with this. That's actually how, actually how we actually flew together up in New Jersey. We did quite a few missions. And, uh, Absolutely. Uh, and, 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 but, but this is a key point that, that I really want to bring up to people because, again, by being of service, you get to do what you love. So, so this, this whole thing, you know, when, when I was getting started in aviation, uh, you know, I didn't have a lot of money. I, I remember scraping together. Literally, when I was in North Carolina, there, there was a little grass field. I would scrape together dollar bills, literally, so I could go flying. But Civil Air Patrol and other organizations like that, by giving of yourself, by giving of your time, you don't need to be a rich guy or gal to go out there and fly airplanes or at least be near them. So, you know, and, and I don't want to get too deep into any one subject today because it's, it's kind of a big kickoff. But, you know, looking back, right, looking back at, at being able to, what, help help other people by doing search and rescue, um, by by doing education for for the kids, it was you know on, I mean half a civil air patrol was basically um, you know it's a it's a father son or father daughter or mother son I mean you know it's a parent family event thing and then there's a real mission involved there but I'll tell you what I mean now with fifteen thousand hours of flying time um, under my belt which means I know absolutely nothing I was an expert pilot at 1500 hours I knew everything and now at 15,000 I don't know uh, near as much as, as I thought I did but but what I want to stress to people listening is because I get this question all the time how do I get started I don't have any money I don't have any education I don't I, I've never been around airplanes go out and look for this stuff and what we're going to do on this show what this show, part of this is, is you're going to be able to call my toll-free number. And I'm going to give that out right now because take this number down, 888-366-5256. That's 888-366-5256. And what I'm going to reach out to everybody is this is my chance to give back to you, the listeners of this program. So if you have a question, a comment, whether you're a seasoned aviator or whether you're somebody that just loves aviation, ask a question, make a comment. And in true, you know, air show mafia format here, what we're going to do is hook you up. We're going to do you a favor because you're doing me a favor by listening to this show. So I'm going to do you a favor back. You want to learn how to fly, I'm going to help you find a place that'll teach you. You want to get involved in something, I'm going to help you. You have an airplane you need fixed, I'm going to find you the best shop. You, Whatever it is in aviation, if you're just an airline passenger, just an airline passenger, and you're wondering, what are those two yo-yos up in the front of that cockpit doing? I was one of them. I've been an airline pilot. I've been an aerobatic competition pilot. I fly jets at air shows. And I'll tell you a little bit after the break, I was told by the U.S. military, although I was a Marine Corps trained special ops guy, that I couldn't fly fighter jets. So guess what? In America, you can go out and buy your own damn fighter jet. So I own a fighter jet, and now I fly fighter jets at air shows. So there's limitless things out there. So this is my chance to give back, to give back to the aviation community. If you've got a group, if you've got somebody that wants to learn about aviation, a school group, it can be old or young, it can be a veterans group, whatever. We're here to help you. We're here to talk about aviation. That's what this show is all about. we got about 50 seconds left. Anything you got to add to this, Ted? No, you're absolutely right. And uh, like I said, uh, some parents might be a little bit afraid of having you do something like that. But, you know, if you have a passion for that, 
and you're a, you're a young teenager, there's, there's plenty of programs. Go on the Internet. Look up aviation. King programs have CDs you can, you can purchase or you can run on them. You can run them at home. CDs. A lot, of, a lot of good training programs out there. But uh, if you really want to do something, you, there's always a way to do something. There absolutely is. Just uh, stepped up to the mic. We have uh, Eddie from the audience here. We're live. Eddie, welcome. Thank you very much, Dave. I have a question for you or Mad Dog One. Okay, I have a grandson who's 21 years old, okay, and he wants to get private flying lessons and he asked me an important question i didn't know how to answer it he said grandpa should i start off with a wing over or a wing under and the answer is yes <laughs> I love- <laughs> no it, it, it's a great question eddie because you know what it really doesn't matter as long as they do as long as they get started right i mean that's that's the thing yeah Dad, do you have anything to add to, to, uh, to Eddie's yeah, question? Well, a wing over or a wing under. <laughs> uh, you'll probably find out when you start flying. They always said uh, that's, that's not a type aircraft. Wing over is usually a little bit harder to fly. Low wing aircraft, single engine aircraft, but probably a little bit easier to land because of that bubble that rolls underneath your wing during landing. But uh, uh, high wings are always subjected to more crosswinds and tipping and things like that. But either way, it doesn't make any difference. I started my first the solo was in a J3 Cub, and I started to fly Cessnas, and they, you know went up from there. But uh, if, if when I, when I first started, even though they had tricycle landing gears, this is another thing too. The head of the airport says, "I don't care. Anybody can fly tricycle landing gear. I can show you." But if you don't learn in a tail dragger, you'll never be able to fly one later on. It'll be very difficult. Once you learn how to fly a dragger, tail dragger said. The rest of it's easy, and you'll always remember, it's like typewriting, like when you take a typing course at work. And once you learn that course, uh, you know, you'll always remember where the keys are, except, of course, in my case, I can't remember where the numbers are. But as far as the letters go, you'll never, you'll never forget it. So it's, it's, it's a choice. And, well, uh, you know, you know what I tell it. kids uh, every time we, we go into a school, I, you know, the first thing I ask kids and I'll say, well, what makes an airplane fly? And I get all these great knowledgeable answers of what makes an airplane fly. And of course, they're all wrong. Um, the only thing that makes an airplane fly is several hundred dollars an hour. So money That's makes true. airplanes fly. But, uh, you know, what, what we're seeing today now, I, I, I had promised in this section, I'd do something on this, on these drones, I you know, on these uh, unmanned aircraft or, uh, you know, non-piloted vehicles. And um, the reason I'm bringing it up, we were just at an air show, what was it, about a year ago, Laura's videotaping me here, it was about a year or so ago, and there was 90 Air Force uh, ROTC cadets, 90. And they're looking at the jet, and they're climbing all over my, my jet and asking me questions. I said, show of hands, how many of you want to be fighter pilots? Two. Two people <laughs> out of 90. Two. So I go, oh well, what else do you want to do? They wanted to fly drones. They wanted to be intel. So this, this age of the aviator, and, and Dad, you and I, we are the last generation, I believe, and maybe I can be proven wrong, the last generation of what I consider true aviators. Now, there's pilots out there, um, and, and as, as you had mentioned, you started flying with, with a little J3 Cub. Well, today, you know, kids don't even know what a J3 Cub is, and what they're doing is they're flying these drones. And there's a whole business. This is literally billions and billions of dollars that are moving into this drone um, marketplace from everything from little kids flying these things as toys 
on up to multi-million dollar things that we're using in the U.S. military right now. Um, just just came out on the news, a court, squa- a court quashes drone registration. So it says here, I'll just read this real quick, it's short. The Washington court has quashed the FAA's drone registration program. The court ruled Friday that, re- that the registration rule violates the FAA Modernization and Reform Act passed by Congress in 2012, that specifically bars the FAA from creating any rule or regulation regarding model aircraft. So basically, um, when these drones became popular, the FAA jumped in and said, we got to have everybody register their little toy drones up to something as big as 50 pounds or 55 pounds. Um, So basically what the court has done is said, no way, uh, it's not going to happen. And now everybody's panicked. So I've got airline pilot friends that are all panicked that some drone's going to fly into their airliner. And i got a bunch of people rejoicing, and now they can go fly. Um, Why am I bringing this up? Well, because it's a fact of life. I actually, I've got three pilot licenses now. I've got a, a airline transport pilot certificate. I've got a flight instructor certificate. And now I'm holding it in my hand. A, I am a remote pilot, a UAS pilot. So even I've bitten the bullet uh, on this. Um, and why am I bringing this up? Because automation and electronics. I mean, we even got things in the news right now that they just had a 737 land itself with some robot sitting in the co-pilot seat. So at the same time that we have a pilot shortage, we're now seeing automation come full circle. Um, Dad, when you first started to fly, um, things were a little bit simpler, right? I mean, you didn't you didn't have glass cockpits and uh, heck, even an autopilot. That well, was- there's a lot of uh, a lot of instinct involved you know, on a J3 Cub. Of course, you have to take your big cross country, and I took it from New Jersey down to the tip of Delaware. All I had was a a, a sectional map. Okay, wind triangle. <laughs> I had a performance of wind triangle on my map, but little tick marks for every 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 ten miles. I had to look out, make sure I was on course. I had a magnetic compass. That's the only instruments that plane basically had. So if you get lost, uh, you know you have to sort of keep with your map. It's all all dead reckoning navigation, basically what it was, and then uh, then fly back without killing yourself. No radio. There was no radio equipment on aircraft. I couldn't talk to anybody. But I made it back alive. Today, you know, like you said, things are so automated, and they have so many toys out there. Is that really flying? It's fun. But if you really like aviation, I think you should just go sign yourself on a fly a real aviation, real aircraft that you can control yourself from within the cockpit. And, uh, you know, there's there's packages out there. And I also suggest if you're going to go, go for your private pilot license, take the course, because if you take the course, and if you can pay it up front, even if you have to take a little bit of a loan, do it. It goes faster that way. You learn more. If you stretch it out like one hour every two weeks, the first 15, 20 minutes of the next hour, you're going to lose. But you just have to stay with it. And they have good ground schools. Well, you're, if you're a flight instructor, you can probably fill everybody in on that. But uh, I don't know. I'm, uh, I, I started when you just uh, flew by the seat of your pants. And if you got lost a little bit, you don't panic. You look around. If you were on course at the at area at, at, at Mark your third mark on your map, and all of a sudden, the fourth one, you're lost a little bit. You're not that far off. The wind didn't change that much, so it was sort of an instinctive-type flying, and uh, and that was uh, that was a lot of fun. Then, then you start moving into stuff that had a little more instrumentation. 
uh, and then it got a little more interesting as you go in the rest of my courses and things like that. Well, but but you know now it's it, it's it's the same, but it's different. And and this is, I guess, what, it, what I'm trying to kind of come full circle here with this is because. You know, um, I was one of the last holdouts. I mean, my my flight bag now is an iPad. All my charts are on an iPad. I fly jet airplanes now that, you know, I don't even have to calculate the weight and balance and the takeoff numbers. Everything, you know, is basically computer controlled. However, I fly tail draggers. I'll fly old World War II type airplanes and things of that nature. But this whole thing with these drones... There is some good that I think can can come out of this because number one, it's reignited aviation. It's re even though it's not the aviation you and I remember, right? So, uh, you know, aviation's yeah. not been around that long, and as much as we hate it, right? That those same guys and and you know some some of the old timers I had flown with when they were teaching me how to fly World War II airplanes those humbling experiences where these guys would look over at me and I was that young, that, that young snot nosed kid that, that shouldn't be flying an airplane. Um, we're now looking at this new generation of kids and almost, uh, you know, I'm finding myself looking at these kids and going, ah, come on, man, you guys got it easy. The plane flies itself. But, but really I think we can take this, this drone market, embrace this stuff, and I think bring more people into aviation. And technology is making things safer, that's for sure. Um, but we're also able to make things more fun because if we can bring more people into aviation, there's so much business, so many businesses and people make their living through aviation. It's not just pilots. Yeah, we get all the glory, right? That's the fun stuff to strap on a helmet and put a strap into that you know, ejection seat and burn thousands and thousands of dollars worth of gas just for the hell of it. But I think, you know, we have an opportunity here again to have that airport become that that something for that community, something they can be proud of. We can put more people to work. We're going to see more technology increase. You're going to see single pilot airliners at some point, and you're going to see who knows. I mean, we're already getting ready to start sending people up into space for just the fun of it. So what a great time. And, you know, and, and so maybe a year ago, I was kind of, you know, feeling sorry for aviation that it was that its best glory days were over. But I think that's not the case. Hey, guys and gals, David Costa, Renegade Aviator. Did you know? If you share an episode of the Renegade Aviator Show, I'm going to see that you shared it. I'm going to enter you into a drawing for a monthly prize from our sponsors. So share the Renegade Aviator Show and stand by because you may be the one that wins a prize. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. Here he is, the host of the Renegade Aviator. David Costa. All right. Well, we managed to uh, not offend anybody too bad on this on this first of many Renegade Aviator radio shows. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, you found the best show on radio, so uh, welcome. We're, we appreciate you being here. And this show, as I said in the first segment, is dedicated to my father on his birthday. And it serves really two purposes, because I'm naturally a lazy person now. When anybody asks me, well, when did you start your radio show? Now I know. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, it started on my dad's birthday. So it actually serves two two things for me here. But, uh, you know, we've been talking just the, just about kind of, you know, all over, the, all over the ballpark, but really just about being involved and getting involved and having fun and uh, asking questions. So I'm going to give out my 
numbers again because this is key. This show is for you. This is a show for you. So dial this number right now, 888-366-5256. That's 888-366-5256. And why do I want you to dial that number? Because um, I want something from you. And I'm willing to do you a favor back. If you've got a question on how to get started in aviation, if you're a seasoned aviator and just want to talk some shop, if you have some topic ideas, if you'd, um, if you'd like to have us out to your events, if you'd, no matter what you need, I don't care if you own an aircraft and you're looking for parts or maybe you want to buy an aircraft or maybe you just want to take a thrill ride or as, as my wife did for me one day, see, I set her up. She one day bought me a ride in a T6, which is a, it's a World War II advanced trainer. So that was a, a gift. Well, little did she know that that gift would turn into another addiction and it ended up having me fly a whole bunch of World War II type airplanes. And where I promptly took all the money that I was going to buy her a nice brand new house with, took all that money and funneled it straight into these aircraft. So it is an addiction, aviation. I will warn you, but it's a fun addiction. Um, this segment, just as we got a couple minutes left in the show, I want to talk about the easiest and best way that you can get around airplanes, right? And you know this, air shows. You know, why, why air shows? Why are, they, why are they so important? Well, you know, there's about 350 air shows in the U.S. and Canada every year. It's one of the biggest spectator sports out there. The International Council of Air Shows um, estimates that about 12 million people a year go see air shows. Huge numbers. And we go to air shows. I fly a jet at air shows. Uh, it's, it's a Polish fighter jet. Um, been, in the, been around for about, it's a 50-year-old Polish fighter jet, if that doesn't seem funny enough. But um, we go out to air shows. Why? So we can meet people. I'd love to have kids come up to the airplane and old people alike, right? I mean, we're, you know, anybody can come up to us. We, we, we love to show the aircraft. But... For advertisers, for business, um, air shows draw a very, a very good um, demographic. They attract a, pretty much a well-educated, affluent group of people, men, women, children of all ages. At least 70% of the people who go to air shows have at least some college, and three-quarters report a household income of over thirty-five grand. So for businesses that want to promote products or services, air shows are fantastic for that. But... We're seeing even a change in, in, in air shows today because we're locking down airports. You know, we're putting big fences around airports right now. Um, air shows give you that chance to get up and, and personal with fighter jets, with, you know, my, my dad mentioned a, you know, J3 Cub. For those of you that don't know what that is, that's a little Piper Cub. It's the little yellow airplane that I think everybody's seen. So big airplanes, small airplanes. So what I'm asking you to do and what we're going to do on this show each and every week is we're going to give you a list of places and events and things you can go to where you can ignite that passion. Bring your kids out. You know, come out yourself. When I was at the airlines, this was right after 9-11, right after I was in the cockpit of the airliner and this woman came up. She, she's boarding in the in the. Um, in the aircraft, and she looks in, and she was clearly a Muslim female. And I turn around, and she kind of backs away and, you know, kind of gets all, all nervous. And I said, come on in. And, you know, and she, she was stunned, right? I said, she goes, well, you can tell that I'm Muslim. I said, oh, I get it. Come on in. 
She goes, I just love airplanes. I've just, I just wanted to see what an airplane looks like. So, you know, there's people that since 9-11, we've pushed people away from, from aircraft, away from airplanes, and it's all types of people. You know, no matter what your, what your nationality, what your sex, what your race, what your income level, air shows or these events where dreams are kindled. Um, Dad, you and I have been to a bunch of air shows over the years. How have you seen air shows change throughout the years? Well, uh, the biggest thing is uh, a lot of people, uh, I wish they would maybe lower some of the entrance uh, fees uh, for, for some of the families. And I know down here in Florida, they've been increasingly raising the gate fee of getting in. They also, I think, charge it for parking in some air shows. And when you have a family of four or five like that going to an air show, especially when you bring, want to bring your kids, uh, it gets a little expensive. But there's other ways. No, nothing kept me out of an air show. Down here in Florida, I can go one mile off the runway here at the Monte Court Airport, and there's a little road that goes back into this Well, they were going to build a community and never, never, and never got off the ground. And you see hundreds of cars parked out there with their kids. They're uh, watching their back doors open up their vans, and just watching the air show, watching the planes come overhead. So there's always a way of going to an air show. If you can afford to go inside, there's a lot of static displays, which are really neat. You can get up close, like Dave said, and uh, and take a look at some of these, especially the, the older aircraft, which which uh, you generally don't see that much, but you can see that when you really go to an air show inside. And uh, I have a question, too, later on. If anybody wants, I have a joke, and maybe one of your people out here in the audience could answer it for me. Go it's not ahead. really a joke. It's go, a question. Go ahead. <laughs> if you've got a couple of minutes, uh, maybe I can throw that out there and see who uh, anybody can call in. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. What's the main function of a prop on a single-engine aircraft? Maybe somebody can call in, and I'll give you the answer later. <laughs> I know. L- Laura, Laura, do you know the answer? Laura's sitting here now. She doesn't know the answer. Nobody knows the answer? All right. It keeps the uh, air crew cool. Uh, and everybody said, well, uh, what are you talking about? When the prop stops spinning, you've got to watch the air crew sweat a lot. There you go. That's why I fly jets. <laughs> and That's engine fails. <laughs> okay, here you go. Somebody grab you with a cane here. There you I'm go. But no, you know, you're, you're you're absolutely right. Is you know, air shows have gotten expensive, and part of that is insurance, right? I mean, you know, one little accident happens, and you know, so there's the cost of insurance. You know, there's there's the cost of bringing aircraft in. Um, but but I really do want to encourage. There's not just I, I I guess to your point, Dad. There's not just these big air shows that do charge. You know, quite a bit of money, but you get, you know, top-notch acts. There's a lot of local aviation events. And these local right. aviation... Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you, people, if you're listening to this, seek out an airport that has an airport restaurant and go hang out, and you will meet, you know, really cool guys like me. <laughs> you could tell pilots are kind of a, a personality here. You, you can meet me in person. No, but go out to the airport and just, you know, so, so we, we, we always think of air shows as, as you're looking at the Blue Angels or the Thunderbirds, and they're fantastic shows. But these little local airports have open house, almost like a car show would be, but, you know, people want to display their aircraft. And if you go out there and be of service, to those people in aviation, because here's what I'm seeing happening today. Airport after airport across this country, there's not enough activity going on. There's not enough things happening out there. So 
by more people coming out to the airport, by more people flying, by more people fixing up their airplanes and getting out there and having some fun and flying for that $100 hamburger, as we like to call it, as a pilot, by taking somebody who comes out to that airport, take them for a ride, get them in the airplane, take them up, let people experience this. Because even if they're not going to be a pilot, the whole premise of flight, of liberty, it's freedom, right? You're flying in the sky. You can take somebody that thought that they couldn't do something and give them this, this kind of light that lets them know, I can do this. You know, people look at me all the time and they go, hey, Dave, if an idiot like you can buy and fly a fighter jet, so can I. <laughs> so, you know, I say this, you know, tongue in cheek, but I got about a minute left here. Um, this show was about you, Dad. I, I, I want to, again, thank you for everything you've done for, for me. Happy birthday. Um, and uh, we, we got to get you up flying again. And uh, I got 39 a, again. 39 no, again. Not bad. How old are you, really? Uh, I'm 77 today. I'll, I'll break it. I want to ask Tatiana. You know, I have to ask Tatiana because she always knows my birthday all the time. All right, 77. 77 years old, and this is it. I'm going to start counting backwards from now on. Hmm. I mean, I still have the mentality of probably a 20 year old, but uh, you know, but my body sometimes tells me I <laughs> I get to put the aches and pains every once in a while my lower back. Well, you know, I'm probably getting a little older here, but uh, don't ever get don't don't get too old. Always be happy and. Uh, I think flying had a lot to do with it, and I had great kids, too, and David was one of them. He was my number one. So, All right, thanks for having me on your show. Thank you. I appreciate it, it. and uh, happy birthday, Dad. And, And ladies and gentlemen, as we close out our first show here, I really want you to consider giving me a call, 888-366-5256. This is David Costa. That's a wrap for this week. I am the Renegade Aviator in the air and on air. See ya.